0: Next on PIJN News, Dr. Chaps reports on these important issues.
1: Today we honor Vietnam veterans by recalling the stories of Tom Morris and Mike Thornton, who were Medal of Honor recipients, Navy SEALs. Today we interview Keith McKim.
0: Former Navy chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name.
1: with a returning guest and dear friend of mine, a man I deeply respect, a Green Beret from the Vietnam War, Keith McKim. Keith, welcome back to the program.
2: Thank you, Dr. Chaps, it's good to be here.
1: So I'm so honored to meet you again and to hear the stories that you put out are breathtaking. And I recently had the opportunity to go on a road trip. I I popped in a couple of CDs as I was driving across the country, and I listened to this new CD, which is new on Amazon, U.S. Navy SOG SEALS, and it's the story, particularly of two Medal of Honor recipients who fought in Vietnam in 1972. They were uh, in combat. Uh, We're talking about Lieutenant Tom Norris and uh, Chief Petty Officer, Second Class. um, um, uh, Second Class Petty Officer. Second Class Petty Officer, Michael uh, Thornton. Yes, sir. Who did amazing acts of heroism in the Vietnam War and were later awarded the Medal of Honor. But they served as part of an elite unit. Although they were Navy Seals and you were an Army Green Beret, you both served in something called SOG. What is SOG?
2: Special Operations Group.
1: Special Operations Group, or also known as Studies and Observation Group. That's correct.
2: Now, what did the SOG teams do? We went across, well, It it depended. Green Berets went across international borders to conduct uh, reconnaissance missions and also combat missions, depending on what our mission was POW, snatch, or uh, to snipe somebody, or whatever needed to be done. SEALs did essentially the same thing, but they did it in country, inside the borders of Vietnam.
1: So, wasn't it sort of politically sensitive at the time? I mean, we're. America was deeply involved fighting the Vietnam War, but we weren't allowed politically to go into countries like Laos or Cambodia.
2: That's correct. That's why only Green Berets were allowed to go across those borders. And when we went across, we carried absolutely no identification with us, no insignia, no patches to identify who we were. If we got caught, we were considered spies and would be, well, first off, tortured, secondly, killed.
1: Wow. Wow and you yourself did this, you were a Green Beret. I was, and I did that. I week with SOG. Talk a little bit about your own story. Why did you join the Army and how did you end up in Vietnam?
2: (laughs) Well, I did my first tour, uh, first four years in the Navy. And uh, I I joined the Navy with the idea of becoming a SEAL. I didn't make the test. Uh, So I got out of there and uh, joined the Army and became a Green Beret. Uh, I love the military and I've always wanted to be a soldier, a sailor, whatever and I was able to live my dream.
1: So a little less swimming, I
2: guess. <laughs> <laughs> in my case, I couldn't take the depth. They put you down in a tower and you go down to like 120 feet. I got down to about 80 and I was totally disoriented.
1: Well, that's not unusual because most people who enter the SEAL training program do not graduate. It's, it's what, what percentage actually finished the SEAL school?
2: I've forgotten the percentage, but uh, in this case of say uh, Tom Norris, I believe he was seventh and uh, the class started with over a hundred. And Mike Thornton came in eleventh and his class was even larger.
1: So they graduate somewhere I'm guessing around twenty percent of people who try to become seals.
2: Probably even less than that Dr. Chaps. I didn't even get it to BUDS, I didn't get past that. (laughs) What does BUDS stand for? Uh, basic underwater
1: demolitions. So you, you went to the Army, they, they took you, they made you a Green Beret, and then how were you assigned to Vietnam?
2: Well they didn't make me a Green Beret, I earned that. <laughs> Good for you, <laughs>
1: I'm sure you did.
2: And then I volunteered to go to Vietnam.
1: You volunteered? Yes. Uh, and then you were also in behind Laos, uh, behind uh, in a different country, how were you assigned to that and how did you lose your eye?
2: Well everything I did was volunteer. Join I volunteered to join the service I volunteered for airborne training. Everything I did I volunteered for. So I've got no complaints. Right. I volunteered once I got to Vietnam to go to SOG. Once I got there I was uh, assigned a team. I was a 10 the team leader of uh, RT Cobra, Recon Team Cobra. And one of the missions I was on I was assigned or not I was not assigned. Everything's volunteer. They cannot force you to go. So they ask you if you want to do this mission, look at it, say yeah, do that. My mission was into Laos, and um, uh, on the first day we barely got off the LZ and we got attacked by about a battalion. It's about 500 men. And uh, it was a hairy situation. I called for help trying to get extracted. They sent in the fast the jet planes, they were dropping bombs. And uh, Viet Cong were dropping mortars and throwing hand grenades and all kinds of things, and we were fighting back, and we finally got pulled out. I lost the eye. Somebody, some one of the pieces of shrapnel took the eye out, and. Uh,
1: well, thank you for your service and obviously your sacrifice. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to ask Keith McKim about these particular stories of Tom Norris and Michael Thornton.
3: This is PIJN News, defending your religious freedom. Dr. Chaps will be right back.
1: Did you know religious freedom is under fire in our military today? Our troops do not have protection. For example, military chapels are now being desecrated by homosexual wedding ceremonies on bases in all 50 states. Our troops are now also faced punishment if they dare to object to sharing common sleeping quarters or common shower facilities or if chaplains dare to quote the Bible during private counseling that declares that homosexuality is a sin. Nobody in our military should be forced to violate their Christian conscience, especially their right to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Let's take action today for religious freedom. Would you sign a petition with me? Visit PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org. Let's defend religious freedom for our troops.
0: Take action today. Dr. Chaps needs you to sign today's petition right now. Again, visit PrayInJesusName.org to sign our petition right now. You know, people ask me, Chaps, we're watching on
1: this network. We've already set our DVR to record your shows, but our friends don't have this network, or maybe they can't watch at this time. Did you know we are on demand on 10 different platforms? You can tell your friends to find this show, PIJN News, on their Roku box or their Amazon Firebox. Just look under the religion or news categories. Or maybe you have a smartphone or your friends or grandchildren can find us on Android TV, Google TV, Smart TV, or iTunes. Of course, we're always on the internet. Look for us on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter, or better yet, subscribe to our daily email alerts at PrayInJesusName.org. It's important that you share all of these available platforms with your friends so we can mobilize all of the body of Christ to pray the news and change the world. Would you join us? Visit PrayInJesusName.org to learn more.
0: Defending your religious freedom, here is Dr. Chaps.
1: Welcome back, I'm Dr. Chaps. We're joined now by Silver Star recipient and Vietnam hero, Keith McKim. Keith, uh, you mentioned there are some other areas of your body that you're wounded. I'm not. I don't want to ask too many personal details. But what would you like to say? Well, first
2: off, I'm not a hero. I just. I did a job, and that's all. Uh, I have been shot. You know, my leg, my arm. I got of shrapnel wounds in my body. Uh, but that's typical of SOG. You know, we had 100% casual. We actually had over 100% casualties. Most SOG guys got hit, got well, and came back and did it again, and oftentimes got hit again. So we had, if you went there, you got hurt.
1: Well, there are so many Army stories of Medal of Honor recipients, and you've covered that in a, in a previous audio book yes, that you've published. I've, I've listened to that one. People can find that on Amazon if they type in your name, Keith McKim on Amazon. But this is a new release. This U.S. Navy SOG seals is about two particular Medal of Honor recipients, Tom Morris and uh, Michael Thornton, who were in 1972, did amazing acts of heroism. I want to focus first of all on Lieutenant Tom Norris. He went in to rescue a downed Air Force pilot, Iseel Hamilton, uh, who was a lieutenant colonel. And you tell this story in just breathtaking prose. I mean, it, it, it's like you were there. It's like listening to the combat scene. Where did you get all this research?
2: Well, I did the research myself, but, you know, a lot of it comes from my experience, too. Uh, having served in Vietnam with SOG behind those lines, I know how these guys were thinking. I know the fears that you have to overcome. Uh, ISEAL was a navigator on an EB-66 uh, uh, reconnaissance plane.
1: Lieutenant Colonel Hamilton.
2: <coughs> yes, sir. Yep. And um, when the uh, uh, SAM missile, surface-to-air missile, hit the plane or hit near it, And uh, the pilot told everybody to eject. Isil Hamilton was the only one that was able to eject. And it took him about 20 minutes, because he was flying above 30,000 feet, about 20 minutes to get on the ground. And when he got on the ground, he landed between two invading armies, North Vietnamese armies, and he happened to land almost right in the center of the two coming down, and he was able to get to a, a spot, a hiding spot, and observe what was going on and from that spot he would call in airstrikes and correct them. Uh, He had a radio? He had a survival radio. All, everybody, every crew member on a a plane has a radio. But he didn't have food or water, he had to improvise. No, he had nothing and uh, uh, except for his flight suit of course and he had to, you know, get those things and uh, in this area the United States General Abrams, <clears throat> put a no-fly zone, no-attack zone within that area, and I SEAL was inside there, and so no one could uh, call in airstrikes or artillery or anything within that area without permission of the rescue teams.
1: But he had a forward <laughs> air controller, another Air Force flyer overhead, yes. and he was in communications with him, and eventually they called in the Navy SEALs. Tom uh, Norris came with his team of SEALs to try to rescue Lieutenant Colonel Hamilton.
2: That's true uh, he did he, he again he volunteered for this yeah everything in Saga is volunteer he volunteered for the mission and the guy who had planned the mission was uh, a marine colonel uh, and he presented the mission to General uh, Abrams you know, in the service as you well know doctor to go around the chain of command is a major offense had he gotten caught doing what he did, he, he is, could have suffered serious stuff, be assigned to a post where he never got promoted or recognized. Anyway, Tom was there, heard the conversation, volunteered for the mission, and uh, he was given the mission. He uh, went down to um, Kamlo, the, the river, and with uh, a team he had been training at a special base near Saigon. and um, he uh, The first day in, he led a, a rescue mission in, and he was able to uh, rescue one of the surviving pilots um, that was a, that was another airplane that had gotten shot down. I should have mentioned that, I suppose earlier, but he, this pilot had gotten to the river, and so they had to have a code that the vietnamese couldn 't understand because the Vietnamese had people who had been educated in the United States and knew everything and spoke the language perfectly, so they sent this message to. Uh, the pilot on the ground telling him to uh, get in the, to go to the the snake. The snake is a river in Idaho, and uh, make like Esther Williams and swim to um, uh, to some Falls, Idaho. Anyway, this this guy was. Uh, A native of Idaho knew exactly that they wanted to get into the river, float down to a rescue spot.
1: They were speaking in code to various landmarks in Vietnam, comparing them to Idaho. And then they uh, broke out in this golf course code. Talk
2: about that. Well, that wasn't until later. That's when Seal Hamilton had to be rescued. He was on the ground, and he was an avid golfer, both him and his wife. And uh, they decided to, in order to rescue him, they'd use golf terminology and they started out on the Phoenix golf course and they told him to uh, tee off from uh, hole number one three hundred. and he knew from uh, hole number three at, uh, or number one was a 360 yard drive but he also knew that hole number seven was a 360 yard drive he said why number one and not number seven he figured out direction number one was 360 yards east so. He knew that they wanted him to move 360 yards to the east. Now he was uh, over half a mile away from the river. The first guy was on the river. seal was a half mile away, and so they had to take him around all these villages. And they had high-flying uh, uh, cameras up there, uh, so high that missiles couldn't reach him. But they could read your watch on the ground, and they were able to get him around. Uh, troops around the armor, around the artillery pieces, anything out there, and so they'd move him, uh, using golf terminology, all zigzagging throughout the course. So they got and eventually
1: the river. Uh, Hamilton was rescued by Norris, and the two of them got to safety. We need to take a short break, but when we come back, I'm going to ask about Michael Thornton, the other recipient of the Medal of Honor from the Navy SEALs.
0: Giving you a megaphone in Washington D.C., Dr. Chaps will be right back.
1: I wanna make a special offer available to our television viewers, and it's our new exclusive limited edition In God We Trust wall calendar. This is good through June of 2019, and we're running out, so you really need to pick up the phone. Why would you want an inspiring calendar? Well, listen, it's got quotes from many of our past presidents, starting with General George Washington, Abe Lincoln, Dwight David Eisenhower, President Ronald Reagan, even George W. Bush, anytime they talked about their faith, we captured it and put their quotes on a calendar you can hang on your wall. Please pick up the phone today and call us at 866 Obey God. For your gift of just $15 plus $4 shipping, we will rush you this calendar and inspire you in the months ahead. Call us at 866 Obey God or write to us right now at P.O. Box 77077, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80970 and close your best donation and we'll ship you this calendar right
0: away.
3: Are you frustrated at the direction your country is headed? Are you ready to fight for a cause and change the world? Do you believe God has called Christians to make a difference? Announcing a new book by Chaplain Gordon Klingenschmidt entitled, How to Liberate the World in 30 Days, a step-by-step guide to take back your country. Dr. Alan Keyes wrote the foreword saying, This book needs to be placed in the hands of every millennial and Bible-believing pastor in America. In How to Liberate the World in 30 Days, Gordon Klingenschmitt equips you with 30 powerful political tools in a 30-day devotional. His 15 inspiring true stories of political victory prove the effectiveness of these methods. You don't even need to get elected to take back your government. By becoming the media, gathering petitions, building an army, and prayerfully fighting the right enemy. You can reverse bad laws and help establish the Kingdom of God right now. But if you read this book, you just might get elected too. Order your copy today. It's available in the Superstore at WND.com on Amazon. And you can get the first chapter free right now if you visit the website SchoolofLiberty.org. Again, that's SchoolofLiberty.org. That's SchoolofLiberty.org. It's time to take back your country.
0: Empowering you, the grassroots activist. Here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back.
1: I'm Dr. Chaps. In 1972 in Vietnam, there were certain Navy SEALs that were assigned to the Studies and Observation Group, also known as Special Operations Group. Uh, Today we have a special operator, uh, Green Beret Keith McKim, who is the author and uh, he reads this audio book in his own voice, the U.S. Navy SOG SEALs. You can find it on Amazon. Keith, I want to welcome you back to the program. Talk about, before we get into Michael Thornton, how did Tom Norris eventually receive the Medal of Honor? Was He was awarded by a president or Congress? or?
2: Well, at first, after the mission was completed, he said he would not accept it. They, were told, he, they told me he was being put in. He said, no, I was just doing my job and refused to accept it. But later on, after this next story, uh, it was in, I think, 1975, the Air Force uh, declassified all the information on how they uh, rescued and helped downed pilots. And they came across this and they read his story and they, in my opinion, rightly decided that he had done duty above and beyond the call of duty and he was awarded the Medal of Honor. By President Nixon. Uh, no, he was res- by President Ford. President Ford. So,
1: back to 1972. About six months later, after Lieutenant Norris rescued Lieutenant Colonel Hamilton, Norris was back in combat. Yes. And this time he was uh, in trouble. There there was this this story that you tell so eloquently uh, in this audiobook. I recommend everyone listen to it because it's, it's better than a Tom Clancy novel, I think. Thank you. But, uh, it, so... Norris is sent to, he's dropped off by these Chinese junk ships, and he's going in to rescue someone, but they're, they're 10 miles off course, and they're in the wrong place. He's accompanied by uh, Petty Officer Second Class, Michael Thornton, who ends up rescuing Norris. In the first story, Norris is the hero, but in the second story, Norris is being rescued by Thornton, and then they, eventually they both get the Medal of Honor. Talk about uh, what, what did Thornton do?
2: Okay, well, first off, uh, Norris uh, volunteered to go recon uh, a naval base that uh, the North Vietnamese had captured, and the South Vietnamese wanted to take that base back, and they wanted that recon information. So that's why Norris was chosen to go up there. He volunteered. Everything is volunteer in SOC. And he volunteered on the condition that he could choose who the team was going to be, and he chose a uh, second-class petty officer, Thornton, Mike Thornton, to go with him. Uh, <clears throat> and also
1: I, a couple of uh, uh, mountain yards. That well,
2: there were uh, four mountain yards. Uh, and v- Vietnamese special forces. Yes, SEALs, Vietnamese SEALs. seals. Wow. And uh, Thornton got to choose those. Norris chose Thornton, Thornton chose the Vietnamese because he had worked with them before and knew what their combat characteristics were, except for one man and the leader of the... Of the uh, Vietnamese SEALs. They got into some damage Well, first off, they got dropped off ten miles west or north of um, the uh, their original site, their their the naval base. They were nine miles south of the DMZ, but ten miles west of their target area. So they were lost, and they started. They decided to recon, despite the fact they lost the area where they were, and they ended up oh quite a distance away from the sea, but. They came around to a point where they thought they could get to the sea, get in and swim out to the the junks that were waiting for them outside. When they looked, they heard voices around them and it was the North Vietnamese. And they were sitting in a place on the beach where they could see every part of that beach. It was too late for them to go back the route they had come so they had to figure out a way to get out
1: there. They had to get out by sunrise or else they wouldn't be able to find their rescue ship
2: that that 's it and uh, but uh, Thornton did some recon, and he saw a dune about four hundred yards away from where they were, a tall sand dune, and the radio they had was not working properly, and they couldn 't reach the ship. they had no communication, but they knew that if they got that transmitter above the receiver at sea, they could communicate so Norris made the decision to get the team into that dune. They got there. Turns out it was a defensive dune or an offensive one um, if they needed to attack anything coming you know, from the sea. The North Vietnamese had set it up. But from that dune, they were able to establish communication with a guy named Woody Woodruff, another SEAL, on a junk out at sea. And with him directing them, uh, Norris had to try and get the uh, ships they were on to start firing rounds into his area. Once he could see the initial spotting round, he could direct that fire.
1: And then eventually there was shooting (coughs) between the North Vietnamese, over over a hundred soldiers converged on their point against this six-man team, many of them were injured, and Thornton ended up swimming out to sea, dragging four of his compatriots behind him on a rope. When they were so injured they couldn't swim, he swam for three hours to bring his team out to sea in the rescue, which earned him the Medal of Honor.
2: That's correct. And, uh, again, uh, the story is much more complicated. In fact, the story is 4.8 hours long. Wow. So.
1: But it's uh, worth it. I listened to every, I was rapt attention every minute. It's like better than a movie. (laughs)
2: Thank you. Yeah. Um, But, yes, he, he. Toed four men out to sea by himself doing a breaststroke, and this guy is six feet two inches tall. Norris is just about five seven, I believe. The, that contrast there. Yeah. And uh, uh, Thornton was—they called him the mule because he carried so much stuff with him. Wow. And uh, yes, he got out to sea, and uh, Woody Woodruff refused to give up the search. The Navy wanted to give up the search, and a cruiser who'd come to uh, help the rescue had turned back, he was gonna go back for a fire mission somewhere else, but Woody said no. Uh, he had these other ships firing over him. In the Navy, protocol says you cannot fire over uh, your own men. Woody said, I'm being here, you will fire over me. He won the argument, and because of that, they were able to get these seals, Tom Norris.
1: So Keith, we have just about one minute left, but eventually these two men, Tom Norris and Mike Thornton, were able to attend each other's ceremonies and yeah. see each other receive the Medal of Honor. That must have been a breathtaking, emotional moment for them.
2: Yeah, I'm sure it was. And additional to that, Tom Norris was the I think the seventh uh, Eagle Scout to ever receive the Medal of Honor. That's amazing. So talk about where can people find your
1: material? What do you want, pe- we have just one minute left, what do you want people to know?
2: Oh, I'd like people to listen to the stories and, and know that the lies that are told about Vietnam, and especially the vets, uh, are not true. These were heroic men. Yep. We did extraordinary things, and I think you should know about that. That's what I'd like the people to take away from my my work.
1: And you can find this by searching for your name, Keith McKim, M-C-K-I-M, Keith McKim on Amazon. You can find this and other previous audio books that you've made. Yes, sir. Uh, I wanna take a moment to pray with you. I I was a Navy chaplain and you're honoring these Navy SEALs. Let's pray. Thank you. Father in heaven, we honor you and we thank you for the legacy of those who have served their country. God bless our Vietnam veterans who came home and, and were so disrespected by their country. But Father, now in hindsight, we are seeing the importance of their legacy. God, I ask you to bless Keith as he Uh, brings up that legacy. Give him great success in telling these stories and bless the Vietnam veterans of our country. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thank you, Dr. Chap. I'm Dr. Chaps. We're out of time, but you can find our programs if you visit PrayInJesusName.org. Please donate when you visit PrayInJesusName.org. If you need prayer today, call us at 866-Obey-God. We'll see you next time. Today, I wanna invite you to sign an important petition to Congress to protect military chaplains, especially their right to pray publicly in Jesus' name. If you remember my story, you know that I was vindicated by Congress in 2006 after I took a principled stand for the right to pray in Jesus' name. But Congress never did pass a positive law to let chaplains pray according to their conscience. Would you sign that petition with me? Let's take action today.